Ask your partner, are you happy right now? What would make you happier? And what can I do? And you, you might not be able to do everything, but yeah, what but, can you do? But so, some were very simple. Let's just get together and, and talk about our interests in each other. Like, like there's lists of questions you can ask each other. You think you know them, but the things that they might want to do might surprise you. You're listening to another episode of Success with Purpose, where we hold conversations with the most holistically successful people we have the opportunity to connect with. We explore their journeys, their life-changing events, their perspectives, their mindset, and most importantly, their purpose. I'm Harry Goldberg, host, interviewer, and interrogator of this podcast. Father of the most incredible daughter in the world, husband of an incredible woman, and director and empowerment coach at Purpose Advisory. Hope you enjoy this episode. And don't forget to subscribe and like below. Now, let's begin. MC and Jerry, welcome. Thank you. Welcome, Harry. So you guys are officially our first and maybe the only couple on Success with Purpose podcast. And while I try to get you on individual episodes, mm-hmm. the truth is your success hasn't been individual. You've both seen your successes in business, marriage, parenting, everywhere else in life as well, primarily as a couple and successful it's been. So that's what we're going to explore today. Uh, For background, MC, you've been a primary school teacher, a French teacher, app producer, stress relief and nutrition consultant, co-owner, director of Fast Forward French, and a professional relationships and sex coach. And Jerry, you've had a successful career in accounting, where you worked your way up in corporate environments, across large public health organizations, smaller tech companies as well, uh, up to CFO role, and then... That's all until starting Fast Forward French with MC. And you've qualified and raced in six Ironman Triathlon World Championships, run over 15 marathons, uh, skied four 160-kilometer ski marathons, which is nuts. And at 55, the ripe young age of 55, you completed an Ironman in 10 and a half hours. On top of that, you've also founded and run a nonprofit organization to partner disadvantaged youths with adults to train and race triathlons. So you've dabbled in the career success and then also in all the philanthropy as well. Mm-hmm. So just as we dive into this, I'm really curious how each of you define success. Who wants to go first? I can go first. So, uh, so it was really mm-hmm. hard to think about this. And I have to say, am I having fun? Am I living in the present moment? And, you know, I try to evaluate myself at the end of each day to see what my self-care level is at. And I know when I take better care of myself, I am more successful, you know, all around. And of course, being a mom and a grandmother is the most important thing to me after being married to this guy, this amazing guy right here. All right. And so what I'm hearing from you is really just, are you having fun? Are you, are you experiencing life being in the present moment? Uh, Are you taking care of yourself and your kids and your grandkids and connected with your husband? And those are the questions you ask yourself at the end of each day to know you've been successful. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, cool. And what, and I'm sure there's so, there's so much to unpack in that as well. Uh, (laughs) But Jerry, what, what's it for you? Um, I think as I've gotten older, it's been less about me and my successes and more about the success of the people around me. Um, So that includes family, helping to support our children and our grandchildren. 
And uh, of course, my wife has been my inspiration as far as uh, helping uh, my partner realize her her own dreams. Um, but as I got older, I kind of looked beyond myself and, and even my family and, and look at the company that we have. Uh, we have over 120 employees and really um, and we and we are language school and then we teach over 400 students. So I, when I think about success, I think about making the lives of those people better, um, helping them to be their best person and to realize their own dreams to the extent that I can. So it gives me the most satisfaction in helping other people live a happy life, a successful Amazing. life. Amazing. Yeah. And any way you measure that, helping others live a successful life? Um, I think the people that, certainly the, the gratitude that expressed towards me is one thing. But um, when I think of uh, employees and students that are at our school, it's when they leave, it's on good terms. It's they say, thank you uh, for helping me reach this point. I'm leaving you for another career, but it's it to the extent that it's positive and appreciative. That's a, I guess, confirmation that of, of uh, that I've made a success in their lives. And that's grat uh, gratifying to me. If I can dovetail in that, uh, Harry, what I've noticed is that we treat, we try to treat our employees with compassion and care. And what the way I see that they're succeeding is that they treat each other the same way. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a place they call it, um, a big family at fast forward French. And, um, they, it's a big family that doesn't fight. <laughs> like they, 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 everybody gets along really well. They treat each other with compassion mm -hmm. and care and that's success to us. Yeah, okay, which is beautiful to hear. And it sounds like uh, you both reached that through very different lenses. Uh, MC was more around, do you have enough self-care? Because maybe your personality is just more focused on doing that by default, right? It's have I had more self-care? Have I looked? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, but I mean, your, your definition was more towards the self-care and mm -hmm. have you taken care of yourself? Are you living in the present moment? And uh, and then that way it allows you to be the best you can for others. And Jerry's successes has your focus just been on helping others live a successful life. I think I've, I've had times in my life where it's been more about me advancing my career, these uh, triathlons, achieving those goals, um, you know, acquiring a house and car and things like that, which you, you could define as success. Um, but, but then as I've grown, I've grown older, I've kind of gone beyond that, I, I believe. And I think I've changed my definition. Maybe I'm a bit, uh, comfort in, in a lot of comfort, so I can afford to do that a lot, a lot, maybe a lot of people can't do it, but in my case, um, I can, so I, I am going outwards rather than inwards. Well, that's a, that's a beautiful transition to trying to decide to explore your individual journeys. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can start from wherever you like. You can start from childhood. You can start from high school. You can start from uh, when you got out of uni. But what if you're, why don't we give the listeners an idea of who Jerry and MC are up until you guys met, especially? Oh, boy. Uh, I grew up being a figure skating, a figure skater. <laughs> and that helped me with leadership skills, I think. Um, and I was a coach. I turned in. I became a coach at 12, 11 years old, I think. So I really love teaching and coaching. So that helped me to become a teacher, I think. 
Um, so that's, I think that's probably the, the route that I took. And uh, my dream, my dream was to become a teacher and work in the airline business. And I've done both of those things. And when I met Jerry, I was just finishing the faculty of education. And um, it was really fun because we had so much in common, right? We, mm -hmm. we were asking each other, we were on a bus on our way to Mount Chomlaski Hill. We were on a ski trip. Uh, if I can get into that part already, if you don't mind, Harry, uh, we're on a ski trip and he, and he decided to sit beside these two girls because we were like having fun and we're spirited. Would you say? Definitely. <laughs> and uh, and so that's that's why he sat beside me and we started talking to each other. We had so much in common. We were both soccer players. I was coaching soccer. I coached university soccer. Um, so we're really like shocked. And then we got out of the car and we both drove the same car. Just a different color through that wow you know we have a lot in common and and uh, most important most importantly it was our values we really believed in family first and taking care of our children what else would you say jerry um i think the family values the the active lifestyle uh, all our we each had a boy and a girl that were around the same age so um, basically creating a new life, positive life was, uh, was very important for both of us. We both did uh, rollerblading marathons together after that. So we got strapped on blades and, you know, still like this at the beginning, when I first met Jared, that was the only sport that I did better than him. <laughs> and then he surpassed me. He's so athletic. <laughs> so. And, and how did, so you guys already had your own families before you met, you already had your kids mm -hmm. yes. and you've gone through your journeys and there was already a lot of uh, career development, career growth before that as well. What was some of that for the background? It'd be, it'd be hard to really, really appreciate how you guys met if we don't have that context for it as well. Right. So before I met Jerry, I was, I went to school and I was a single mom. I was separated and I was really poor. I even went to the food bank. I was really in, 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 but everything seemed to come together. Like money fell on my lap. People gave me money. I got an art scholarship. It's just, it was, I knew that I was in the right path because everything, every time I turned around, everything was working out all the time. And I think probably about a year later, I met you, right? And that's when things really started to turn around. Why? Because we complement each other. Everything that we did, it felt like it was working out times 10 when we were together. Um, we connected with our values, we connected with our drive and our, um, you know, we, we raised four teenagers together uh, in a blended family. That's not easy. <laughs> that was a big job. And we have to say that today our children, they, get, they got along well the whole time that we were together, which was a big job. And not a big job. It just worked out really well for them. It was a big job for us because they were ganging up on us. <laughs> but it was really, uh, that was, I think that really helped us to bond. And now our kids, we really get along really well. Like we're all a really, um, you know, really happy family. Awesome. They've turned out so great. And I'm close to his kids. He's close to my kids. It's just really beautiful the way it turned out. I want to give people hope that have uh, blended families out there. <laughs> And you know what? It and and there are there are a lot, right? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It took a lot of communication. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll I'd love to ask you so many questions about that. And I've even got <laughs> one of my questions written down. So that's uh, that's something that you'll talk quite a bit about. 
especially especially given the fact that they're all getting along is tough is harder for the parents as opposed to if they weren't it's crazy <laughs> but we we're um, happy we we're happy that way <laughs> and how about yourself jerry how did you end up with two kids before um, meeting mc i uh i grew up in a small town outside of montreal and which was great because small town you know, it's, it's great to uh, make friends. Uh, you, there's no kind of socioeconomic differences. Uh, very uh, athletic. So even though I, uh, I guess I was, uh, I did well academically, but not a, not a star. But, um, but I did a lot of sports when I went through university. I kind of drifted into the accounting field because uh, my father was an accountant. So that kind of is a bit of an inspiration. I had a real aptitude for it, and I, um, I I got my CPA, but I realized right away that I didn't want to stay in public practice, so uh, I went into industry right away. Um, started a family um, pretty soon afterwards. Um, worked for small uh, companies, uh, then worked for some like multinational companies, um, and then uh, you know at, at some point uh, my wife and I we had married. Uh, fairly young, and uh, we just uh, realized that we were going a different direction, so we, we separated. It was tough on the children. Um, the two kids, they were, I guess, uh, around 10 or 11. And um, and then around the same time, uh, I, I guess, uh, Med MC and her kids were around the same age, and so uh, they just blended really well. And uh, like um, MC said, we had some tough rules in the house, and they, they, they all learned how to cook. They all learn how to clean, and uh, those are life skills for kids. And they had to cook for everybody, not just themselves. <laughs> so uh, they got some life skills, and uh, it helped bond them, and it helped bond uh, us together. It was really fun because we had like, but his son would make tacos all the time on Tuesdays, Taco Tuesdays, and he would call it Taco Neck Syndrome Day because we're all eating like this. <laughs> all those little, little, uh, you know events and yeah, memories memories that they've created so so an interesting we um we had planned to get married on a, married on a cruise ship unfortunately uh because we had a friend who knew the captain of the ship about three weeks before the the sailing the uh the, the captain got transferred to another ship so uh, we weren't able to do that so we ended up getting married in our in our town here ottawa and but we all still went on the honeymoon and we did a ceremony all of our children parents uh sisters and friends uh, did a, a ceremony on the ship in the caribbean and was uh, that was very memorable really yeah. again bonded us the whole family together his kids sang to us at our wedding they were so cute both his son and That's daughter beautiful. Were beautiful. how how old were they when you guys started when you guys started dating at least i would say they were well 30 it was three years after we met that we got married so they must have been like eight nine ten eleven they were like one year apart mm -hmm. all four two boys and two girls and uh, after three years then we we did it at the ceremony yeah um and so i'd imagine you'd have had plenty of challenges and given this is the topic which keeps coming up and yeah. part of how you both defined your success right with your kids and with your grandkids and your family and all outwards mm -hmm. and how you're looking after yourselves and looking after others uh odd maybe we'll dive into that so you guys you guys met you're having some fun you're both kind of still new relatively new in your careers and you were focused towards your big goals but then you kind of just 
as as you put it serendipitously just ended up together just by just by chance or by fate and what was the start of your relationship um i would say the the ice storm was one of those yes right? definitely okay, yeah 1970 no, no, no 1997 1997 1997 there was a big ice storm did you hear about it from australia there was no. a big ice storm in canada and ontario and quebec and uh we were I think we were about a year and a half into our relationship by then. I, I was living out in the country and uh, MC was in Ottawa and the power went out in my house for about a week. And so my kids and myself moved in with MC. <laughs> in my little house. <laughs> and that was a kind of a test of our relationship, uh, living together as, with, as well as all our kids. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> we, it was we learnt, fun. We learned it was, a, we all passed that test. Yeah. And you know what? They, they would, it was like a week about like they no two weeks about. So they'd be with their other parents for two weeks and with us for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And the kids were together for one of those, uh, one week altogether. And the, the day that they got together on the Monday, the volume in the house went right up. They were almost screaming. They were so excited <laughs> to see each other. Mm -hmm. It was so fun. Every, every fourth Monday we'd have that volume go up in the house. The kids are laughing and joking and just just having a blast they're so happy to see each other it was really nice mm -hmm. was that straight from the beginning did they all get along immediately or were immediately. there some challenges mm -hmm. to iron out and, and they're all different like they're all complete four different people um they're they're all very unique um and they got along great it, mm -hmm. i would say that they respected each other you could really feel the respect that they had like i there's no way i could tell his kids what to do because his kid, my kids would say, "Mom, you can't talk to his kids that way." I said, "I'm just asking them to do something. No, get Jerry to do that. <laughs> you're, you know, you're not. You don't. Don't be hard on them. It, <laughs> They're it's, protecting it's his kids. It's tricky territory as uh, step parents. Yes. And uh, yeah, I thought we navigated that pretty well. It's important to have consistency and have some ground rules that you that everybody follows. And I do have to say that a really good ground rule is to is to raise your own children if you can, you know, right? Like I take care of my kids. He takes care of his kids and uh, respect each other's, you know, wishes. Um, and that that seemed to work really well for us. Sure. And how, how many of those wishes and kind of different ground rules for your kids uh, differed as opposed to are the same? They're pretty well the same. I think they're pretty close. They all had to cook and they all were involved in sports. So yes. we treated them pretty equally. Yes. Some had a few more freedoms because they were a bit older. Um, they had boyfriends and girlfriends. So there were, there were some, uh, but they had to earn those, those, those responsibility, those rights. Uh, and so there was, you know, if we had to ground them for some, some periods uh, that would happen. And just to give you an idea of what happened when they were, they're cooking one would be a chef and the other one would be a sous chef and then the other person would be a dishwasher and mm -hmm. we all take turns like we were six people that took turns and we had a list on the fridge and every mm -hmm. monday night we would have a family meeting and we would talk about what we're going to do and not just the hard work we'd also talk about the fun that we're going to have mm -hmm. and we always made it a really fun meal and we made it we try to make it a really fun meeting and we basically signed up for all the chores that we wanted to do for the week. So I pretty well do that with my couples today. I want them to meet on Sunday nights so they can discuss their week. 
um, it really works well because you can prevent issues from happening and you can, it gives you a really good uh, platform to talk about any kind of uh, communication, anything that you're feeling inside, you can talk about um, whatever it is that you need to talk about so that you can be happier. Mm, and that's beautiful that, that it's done as a family, like yeah. all six of you were in that meeting, right? Yes. Ooh. And when the kids did, you, did, did you have a, sorry, go ahead. I was going to, sorry, you're saying, and, yeah, we, and we had fun together. Like we did a lot of outings, a lot of really fun outings together. We just didn't uh, do chores and make them all work. We did have a good time. We did like races, family races together, like a 5k race. We were both, uh, we were both coaches for all of our kids for soccer. So we coached all of their teams. So not at the same time, <laughs> but you know, it really showed them that we loved them, I think. Um, I'm, I'm curious at what, at what stage did like your kids become our kids and the language change? Uh, you know what? I, I think really when they became adults, when they, when they went to uh, uni, uh, we helped to, uh, we supported them through that. They, we, they paid part of the way, which I think they got some buy-in on their part. They had to work, pay for some of their way. But I think when they, I look at it as it kind of it, they kind of change into adults with adult responsibilities uh, financially and uh, career wise, and I think we could relate on a in a different level at uh, at the, at those ages. What would you say, MC? I would say we believed in them, and we shaped them so that we we trust them that they would become really great adults. Like we <clears throat> set them up for success. We told them that we believed in them um, and everything that they did. Um, and they did all the work around the house that we all chipped in. And that mm. told them that, yeah, I'm preparing to be an adult. I'm helping around the house. Um, I'm doing the day to day and Oh, we did get complaints. It yeah. wasn't all, it wasn't but all, you know. One, one thing that happened as well is uh, they, uh, when they went to uni, to uni, they moved out to go to uni. And, and that was kind of a turning point as well, where they, they kind of, uh, they accepted uh, their responsibilities and it just changed the, the relationship so that if they, if they weren't in the house, we weren't having to remind them to do things and treat them like, children and when they moved out they they had their own responsibilities and they and it just changed the relationship um and then once they moved out they they weren't allowed to move back <laughs> my son so, my son tried to move back and i said no i have faith that you can make it and we open up the university book and i said what would you like to do he says oh mom i want to do this i want to do that i want to do this i said sounds like you need to get into business because you could pick whatever business you want to do so no, we really like they all they all worked really hard in the, in the house. And when they were out in the real world, they're ready to work. And I have to say that I'm really proud that they're all really hardworking mm -hmm. um, employees today because they learned that work ethic, ethic at home. They learned that work ethic right at home. And I'm. it was just really fun that when they got into the world, they all they could work the kitchen like all of them are chefs right now. They're all really good. Like some of them are barbecue chef. One is a beer maker. Like they all have their their little qualities of how how what they mm -hmm. do now. But when they left home, they actually worked in the restaurant business. All of them, all four right. of them, Tough because business. they knew they knew what they were doing in the kitchen. They knew what they were doing in the mm -hmm. restaurant. So they all left us and and 
and learn what it was to work really hard and that set them up for success in their careers in their future. Yeah. And, and beautiful, beautiful examples of, of how they can be successful just from having the right upbringing. Right. Right. The, um, I'm, I'm curious what, if there are any challenges with, with their other respective mums and dads throughout the journey. I know with, you mean with my ex-husband? Yeah, yeah. I, I, we were, we had really different parenting styles, so that kind of showed up a few times. But but the beauty of uh, that I saw is that we, my ex and I, really respected each other, and we always spoke highly of each other in front of our children. We always tried to say, you know, you're when you're living at your dad's, you got to follow his rules, and supported him. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, I said, you know, your dad's a good guy. He works really hard. I just said nice things about him instead of the opposite, because I think when you say the opposite, it leaves children wounded. You know, we, we don't want to hurt the children. We need to rise each other up. Even if we're separated, we need to rise each other up. And I have to say that my ex-husband married a beautiful woman who was perfect for him. And so that makes it really nice. I'm really happy for him that he's getting along so well with his wife. We all got married the same year. Yeah, and, same uh, lawyer. Same lawyer. We went to the same lawyer together. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, it, 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 if I think if you think of co being cooperative and try not to hurt, try to be compassionate and try not to hurt people in everything I do, and I think Jerry has the same belief, if you use compassion, in everything you do, it always works out. Always. Um, in my case, uh, I had an amicable separation, um, but really my wife and I went to different directions after we divorced and we really hadn't, other than raising our children, we haven't had any contact. And once they became adults, there's been zero contact, which is fine. We became different people and we, we both each support our children. They're both good parents, mm -hmm. and that's what counts. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd be curious if there was if there was someone listening to this who's from a blended family, and let's just say it wasn't as amicable of mm -hmm. a divorce or a, mm -hmm. or a separation, and they're really struggling to have more compassion for their for their ex. Uh, and it could be anything, right? It could have been not at all amicable. There are fights, and there's still mm -hmm. frustrations. Or it could be that a parent kind of just disappeared and kind of just bailed. Mm -hmm. uh, what what can they do to try and have more compassion as what you've shared? I think it I think it has to do with focusing where your thoughts are going. Where are your thoughts going and really monitoring where those automatic thoughts are leading you. You know, am I thinking negative thoughts right now about my ex? Am I thinking negative thoughts about the situation? You know, and thinking, always looking back is not always a good idea. Living in the past and in the pain. You know, I always believe in a 24-hour pity party. <laughs> I, I try not to go mm -hmm. past a 24-hour pity party. Um, and I tried to do that with my ex. Like, I'm, I don't want to go feel sad. So notice where your automatic thoughts are going. And you're allowed to feel sad. You're not. You're allowed to feel pain. Feel it and then let it go. And then bring in compassion. And what does that look like? What does bringing compassion look like? It just basically look, looks like treating yourself and other people around you with respect and with love. 
and uh, with care, with empathy, um, with validation. I believe that's what it uh, comes down to. Do you feel the same? Uh, pretty close. Um, you know, I, I haven't, I didn't have the challenge in my marriage separation, but I have challenges a lot in the, uh, at least I've had challenges in the past with our work. Um, you know, it, it, there's been, we've learned a lot about people leaving and not being respectful. So in that respect, you can kind of hang on to that negativity and, and um, you know, uh, really not move forward. And wh what I think I've learned is, uh, you know, this is kind of a cliche, but when a door closes, other doors open. Oh, wow. So yeah. when I think about whenever somebody leaves our company, whether it's on good terms or, or bad, because we can't control other people's uh, feelings. Um, I try to look at that. Well, there's an opportunity there for something better. And when I, I like to think about, well, when something, a person disappoints you, um, then I, I rather than dwell on that, I, I try to look forward and there's a better person for me in the future. And you, if you take that, if you release that negative sentiment and, and think about the, uh, the future and the positivity, you're going to do much better in the future because you're going to be open. You're going to be able to attract the person that you would like. So I've all, I've really learned that a lot in the last, particularly the last five years. Like I say, when a, when a door closes, better doors open. That would be my, my, uh, my philosophy. You could call it karma. Right? <laughs> yeah, it could be, you, could, you know, I, I can't get over how, <clears throat> you know, we do go through some rough, rough spots. And we, it always turns out to be better, always. And I think it's really, it's good karma. Not that we're trying to create good karma to have good karma. It just seems to happen. Mm -hmm. when, I'm, when I'm hearing you share uh, that it doesn't, like we started off talking about parenting, but it doesn't matter so much about parenting. It can be employees. It can mm -hmm. be everyone else in your life. It can be past relationships, all of it, is ultimately just to model respective behavior to everyone, especially to your kids, uh, in terms of who you're being respectful to, because they'll end up learning from it. Even if you're not overtly teaching them every action you take, like if you, if you say, no, 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 you got to appreciate your father and you got to respect your father and then end up screaming, they hear you screaming at him on the phone. It's probably, probably not going <laughs> to teach the right behavior, right? Exactly. You do have to model. Yes. And that, that's true. Whenever somebody, maybe somebody quits their job and says, hey, I am leaving on next Monday. Our attitude now is we would like to have a few weeks notice to prepare. But if that's not the case, then thank you for your service. And we wish you the best. And we just move on. There's going to be somebody better next week. So we kind of have changed our attitude around that. And, and I think that applies to a lot of challenges that people have in their lives, including, um, you know, relationships, including financial, including, uh, you know, any type of health or other challenge that you may have. I think if you have that looking forward positively mindset, I think you do much better. Uh, you, I think you do, there's that law of attraction where, you, you know, if you put it out there, um, you're going to have a much better chance. It's not guaranteed, but you're going to have a better chance of attracting what you want. Yeah, because your eyes are wide open. You're looking for it. You know, you're attracting it by looking and it happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
<laughs> I mean, this this might be a, a beautiful transition towards starting to look at how you guys manage a, a business together, one which has been quite successful, but also uh, in a marriage as well, which a lot of people struggle with. And it's, mm-hmm. it's usually only seen when you when you look at, say, immigrant families where they've got no choice to, to set up a family business is all they can do. Mm-hmm. But you guys went the complete opposite, right? You could have done anything and you decided to set up a company together. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Um, well, I was I was teaching part time and I was I started my business part time and tutoring, my, business. tutoring business and my husband believed in me and he believed that it could be successful. And he told me, quit your job. Do this. Do this. I said, really? I've got a big pension. Teachers have a great big pension. He says, we're going to figure it out. I want you to be happy. Do things that make you happy because mm. teaching is a really stressful job. I highly respect teachers. It's tough, really tough. I burnt out, truthfully. I went through a burnout and I didn't want to do that again. So he said to me, we're going to have control. We're going, you're going, you're going to start, you're going to grow your business. I said, how am I going to grow my business? He knew how. He helped me. He supported me. Um, when I, I, I said, I can't grow anymore. He says, don't worry, we'll hire people. I said, we will? yeah we're gonna hire people okay and he he was in his corporate job at the time and i was trying to run my tutoring business and one of my um parents said hey would you like to teach us for a year with a government contract i said wow government contract so we did a contract we did a proposal and that's pretty well how it started and it was really funny we kind of have a funny joke that goes on between us because jerry quit the corporate world to come and join me at Fastboard French because it was growing so fast. And the month, like September 30th, he's been he had been with us for a month and our business tripled. And he said, ah, oh, it's because I'm here. <laughs> I've started. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God, the sweat that I put into this. But you know, it's been smooth and we've been growing 35% since the business has just been growing. And I think one of the reasons it's it grew so well is because we have complementary skills and we respect each other a lot. I, I just can't get over how this guy listens to me. I've never had that before where he really cares about my opinion and he listens to me and he cares about, about what I think. And he's just, he's, I've got the EQ skills and he's got the um, intelligence uh, IQ. So that's a really good uh, blending. I took care of the people and he takes care of the business and it, really worked really well and it and it really helped us to grow would you say mm-hmm. very true yeah um I, what what an, what an amazing start to the journey as well right like you were focused on like just like simply just jerry you just wanted to support mc to make sure she wasn't stressed out and getting burnt out at work correct and so encouraged her to start her own yeah job. i mean we we were actually teaching out of our living room uh, sorry, our dining room for a while. Actually, this room we're in. Right where we're sitting at this and, table. Uh, we um, and we just as a as a quick aside, we we MC taught French to groups in the evening to adults, and they would open a bottle of wine every, every hour. hour. <laughs> and by the end of the hour, the volume of the room got very loud. <laughs> but they were having fun and they were learning. They were trying things. They were their you know their inhibitions were down, and they were trying which and helped them learn. Hey, it's part of the French culture. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we had people in our, we had children in our basement. We did French camps in our backyard. This is all while I was working. And then it reached a point, as MC said, where 
we either had to hire somebody to manage the business uh, or I had to go in myself and then that's what I did. And, um, and I was we, nervous. Like I made a third of what he made, maybe even yeah. less. My salary was a third and that was a big jump. That was a big leap. And we just believed in, I believed in him and he believed in me mm -hmm. and, uh, we worked really well together. I don't want everybody to think that like we're this like magical rosy couple where everything's going great. Like we have ups and downs like everybody out there. But I think the nice thing is that I'm a couples coach and I want to try to walk the walk. And um, the, the, the reason why I think I'm so fortunate, I'm so blessed in this relationship is that this guy will sit down and I can teach him what I learn um, mm. I can teach him, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Gottman's, um, which is a, a method. It, uh, it's a therapy method. Um, and I test couples and I help them to get along. Um, couples fight a lot. I help them to, they still fight, but I help them to recover. I help them to stop, you know, and he listens to me when I fight, I say, you know, sweetheart, we need to have softer starts. And he listens and he tries. And not all partners are like that. I really think I'm lucky. He's got an open mindset to learn. Very, very lucky. It's, uh, it, it can be quite challenging working with your spouse, um, daytime, and then leaving it behind in the evening and not kind of going over your problems that so we do have a, a rule that we generally don't talk about the business when we're at home uh however we we are fans of uh bathtub meetings so or we have actually a hot tub and we will find moments where we can just release and get things off our chest not blame anybody but just say this is a frustration that i have and the other person will listen um, we're fortunate that we have complementary skills. It's important to recognize the strengths of your partner and, um, and, you know, and, and really be trusting that they're going to listen to you without judgment. And, you know, in, in my case, I, I tend to want to solve all her problems. So I have to, 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 mm. to listen more rather than try to solve. Um, that's human nature, but, um, nonetheless, I think it's important just to establish boundaries. We're, we're going to work to here. We're going to not work then unless we agree in advance. Sometimes we'll say we have 20 minutes to talk about work and then we just leave it behind. It's important that we have a, a separate lives outside of our business, separate interests, common interests. And, uh, I, I think it's just important that you have a variety of, uh, you know, of, of ways to, I guess, express yourself. And that includes other people outside of our couple as well. Uh, our family members, as well as colleagues, we have other people that can support us. And I think one of the rules that we use is at any time, either one of us can say, let's meet at nine o'clock about this tomorrow morning. Yeah. And we do, we have a meeting every morning at nine o'clock. And we don't, we respect the other person. If they say, let's meet at nine, it means they've had enough. And they don't want to talk about work. That's yeah. our little cue that says we'll talk about this at 9 a.m. And we meet from 9 to 9:30. Sometimes things get in the way, and we whenever it does, it messes things up. We have to meet at 9 to 9:30 every day. Yeah, and it can only be for 10 minutes. And so sometimes it's just aligning schedules. Sometimes it's issues that we want to make sure. Sometimes just expressing some of the things that are going on in the business. It helps to. Uh, 
I guess, reshape your, your opinion. So, um, yeah, it's just helpful to have a partner that you can trust and you can, you can speak openly with and, and get out of your own mindset and your own uh, prejudices and so on. Mm. And I could imagine that could apply to every business partner, right? Yeah, every correct. business partnership, maybe not the hot tub, maybe not the hot tub meetings <laughs> that might get a bit awkward. So funny when we but first literally having the opportunity to connect. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say that when we no, first met, we had lots of bath time because we had to get it get away from all of those four kids. Get away. We put a lock on the door. We have these two hour baths. So it seems to be that water is our element and it's our place where we still have our meetings. Okay. And so those are some of the, those are some of the, definitely, um, sorry, I'll start that sentence again. Those are definitely some of the factors that led towards uh, the success of Fast Forward French, uh, at least in terms of your business partnership together. And that's how it came about. Uh, what else led to the success of, of Fast Forward French? I think the leadership, uh, the people that grew with us and became leaders, we try to promote from within um, and we try to really let these people know that we have faith in them, that we we want them to grow with us and, and they are. It's just beautiful to see, oh, they're just amazing people. Like right now we're, we're in such a great place, eh, Jerry? Our mm -hmm. leaders are just... We have emerging leaders that are just showing us how well they work and how well they get along with everybody and the creative ideas. We're not all the same. We all have different ideas. We're not all, you know, we don't hire people that are like us. We try to hire people that are also complementary, that have different skills. Um, and we hire people that are better than us in certain areas, right? All of them are better than us in French. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they all have great French skills. Um, and I think that's one of the keys is to like promote from within, really show them that we have confidence in them. Uh, I believe that I, my role at the school is to be a cheerleader to everybody. Jerry calls me the chief mm -hmm. entertainment officer because I'm the CEO. I just really try to make sure that everybody's <laughs> living a balanced uh, work life balance and, uh, making sure that they're happy. Um, and Jerry's good at challenging them to be the best that they can be. Yeah. I, the chief challenging officer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I would... Oh, wait, CFO. So maybe chief forward chief officer. <laughs> we, uh, I would say we grew organically for quite a while through word of mouth. We created a, a culture where students uh, felt we were different and better than a number of our competitors. Um, at some point, um, you can only do so much without having systems to support that. So about uh, four years ago, I hired a, uh, well, I, I joined a kind of a mentorship coaching group of small business owners. And we had a, we have a coach that helps us. Uh, we bring in speakers that has really accelerated uh, our growth and uh, it's helped in strengthen a lot of the systems that we have. Uh, that's where the 35% growth, in particular, the last uh, four years uh, resulted. So really, uh, you can hire within, but only to a point. Uh, we have, a, like I say, 120 employees now. At around the 70 or so mark, we realized we needed to find experts in different fields. And that's when we uh, 
we we went externally to hire the specific uh, people that we needed. So having the right people in the right places was important. And um, it's really helped us uh, grow revenue as well as profitability the last four years. And his So until then, was it was it this you needed someone? Well, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, we didn't have a strong financial person. I was doing that and uh, I needed I couldn't keep on doing that. Uh, we hired human resource professionals, uh, other people that help with uh, training and other areas that uh, we really need to have experts in some of these areas. So growing mm. required us to really step up in, in a number of these, these functional areas. Okay. And until then, as you're just growing organically, yeah. was it just... Um, kind of just, okay, we've got more staff, yeah. we've got more students than what we can handle. We just need another staff. Correct. Member. It was like seeing your pants for a while there. <laughs> we were growing so much, we were just barely keeping up. And uh, we managed, but it, it, it systems just kind of uh, broke down at, after time. Mm -hmm. So a lesson for yeah, okay. us to get, to get outside help, when, realize when you need it, and then to bring in the help that you need. Another big lesson, I think, mm -hmm. Jerry is really a champion in this area it's to make sure that we have backups for every key position in our company that's been huge mm -hmm. because if a person quits and you're who you know who who's their backup who's where's the you know all of the knowledge we've, is gone we've learned the hard way in those in those respects <laughs> so uh yeah ensuring we have uh you know processes and uh, people that can back each other up. Things happened. Uh, one of our employees uh, recently was diagnosed with cancer uh, unexpectedly. So we had to, to fill in that position. And, uh, you know, people are always coming and going. And particularly uh, since the pandemic started, there's been a, in the last year, there's been a high number of turnover in, in many of our, our industries. So just realizing that and adapting to that is, is really important for us mm. and you've kept growing uh mm -hmm. despite covid or maybe because of covid how did you manage that transition um, when in 2020 we dropped revenues about 25 percent uh and that was because of uncertainty and you know the, the, we are our, our students are funded by the government the government wasn't sure what they were doing um but it it grew 60 percent last year and it's on track for about 30% this year. But on average, yeah, okay, is that you just, was it really easy for you to transition to online? And we it was, it was. you know, it, which is was a bit surprising, because uh, our environment is very, very social. So students not not with bottles of wine, necessarily. <laughs> but uh, they learn by being in a relaxed environment where they can take chances and not be judged. So when we had in-person classes, there was a lot of social activity, people talking in the hallway. We would have events uh, a couple times a week. We had barbecues outside in the summer for teachers and students. Going online, we were worried that we would lose that connection. So we adapted the way we, we teach online to be more interactive with the student, get them more involved in, in video and doing games and other activities. So we had to really rethink and quickly change the way we delivered our the actual classes. And it was also a really tough time because there's more stress, right? COVID caused a lot of stress. So we, mm -hmm. we stepped up, we pivoted to help them. 
So we have a um, stress relief coach. We have a program to help them. Uh, we call it zone training at the very beginning, how to, how to learn French and to release stress at the same time. We have a Zen meditation in the middle of the week. We have a Friday game in the afternoon, a Friday afternoon game online. This is all online to help us to connect. With our teams, we have lunches where we celebrate. They get to get takeout and send us the bill. <laughs> and so we have uh, we get to eat together while we're online and um, basically talk about what we appreciate about where we're at. Um, so we were able to bond online, which is really hard to do, really hard. Um, but I think we, mm -hmm. we pivoted in a really positive way because we're taking care of everybody's mental health on this journey. Mm -hmm. And you've, you've mentioned this a couple of times now in the business that you're, that they're all like family, right? It's like a big family that never fights. It sounds like that cohesion is something which is almost like the core of the business. That's very true. Just, just another point that um, kind of holds it all together. We have core values. We have five core values and we continually well, they, they drive a lot of our decisions uh, regarding people and activities. So one of them is uh, excellence, like we always strive for excellence. Um, one of them is respect. So that's respect to each other, respect to our, our students. Um, Empathy is one of them, trying to be empathetic to everybody. Yes. And then... Um, and then there's trust. We trust each other. So you kind of give people the benefit of the doubt. We trust that you'll do things, you'll deliver, you'll be on time for your classes, you'll deliver your classes. And the, and the last one is uh, integrity. Uh, so basically we look for the values and we spend a lot of time hiring the right people. And we don't hire, we generally don't hire teachers. We hire people like people that are trained as teachers. We generally hire people that have teaching in them. It's innate in them. And we, we can see that because they, we actually ask them to do a mar like a small simulation of a, a, a teaching lesson and we can see if they have it in them. If they do, they can be trained to deliver the classes in the way that we would like. Whereas if they were, if they had gone through another school or some other process, they might not be open to teaching the way we teach. Is that fair? That's a, absolutely right. We want to make sure that they, they have, you know, just because you've gone to the faculty of education doesn't make you a teacher. I think teachers are born teachers or, you know, you can teach them along the way to be better teachers, but once you get to this stage, it's you, you have it or you don't. And, and so we want to see if they have that, we call it transferring le message to transfer the message. If they have that desire to share what they have inside of them and to share that with other people, if they have that desire, mm -hmm. then, then that's those are the people we like to hire and those are those values are by the way are called merci values merci means thank you <laughs> so um, just, uh, that's just yeah. one more thing we we really um abide by these values i'll give you an example and you can't tell necessarily when you hire people if they're going to to live by those values um there's there are two teachers that, that we recently hired that we we're letting go this friday because they are not respecting those values. They're not communicating. They're not respectful to their colleagues. They're not demonstrating integrity. So when you, when you show the rest of your employees that you're serious about your values, we're short of teachers. We're about five 
teachers short right now, but we will let teachers go and, and continue to be short of teachers if the ones that we have are not living our values. And that's not something we, we would do in the past. In the past, we would say, oh, we can't let this person go. We need them. And But we've learned that you can do more harm, not only for your students, but the rest of your teachers see that you're not living by your values. So, you know, they, it really questions our integrity. So that's something I think we've learned the last two to three years. We have to make the tough calls. We have to let people go if they're not respecting our values that it's a bit of a tough lesson but i think we are respected as owners because of it yeah because they all get to work with colleagues that they like that's how the family thing happens because mm -hmm. we hire a, for a really great culture and that's that's really really fun yeah. you know what our students have to follow our messy values they don't stay either if they don't we, follow we our fire, values we fire students if they don't because <laughs> yes. uh, we want our teachers to be treated with respect right all those messy values go with both teachers and, and the students and for us too. I won't, I won't, I won't show up I, to meeting if I'm not like in a really great place to be able to be 100%, you know, show up with 100% good, positive attitude. I take care of myself and then I'll show up. <laughs> I, I love that because in just the example which you showed, um, like for example, letting those two staff members go, it's not just you're you're being integral to all the other values and to what you say you're going to do but you're showing respect to the other team members correct. and to your students correct uh, as to what you do and then everyone your students and your team members especially will trust the decisions that you're making and will then focus on the values again that's correct and you know uh, profitability revenue profitability are important but i believe that they follow the values that you have. And I think if you look after the values, the teachers do better, they do deliver better lessons, the students succeed, they have to pass tough exams, they learn better, and they refer us to their colleagues. And I think we're, you know, in our opinion, we're far and away more in tune with, with that philosophy than our competitors. And more often than not, we have a waiting list to get into our school. Yeah, there's about a five week waiting list mm -hmm. right now. Amazing. You're, you're reminding me of what another guest shared. Uh, she runs an um, amazing charity. Uh, and she said that the people who, like, she's not just going to hire anyone, especially not someone who's just looking for a job. Yeah. They've got to be really committed. Right. Because, like, they do Christmas drives and for, make sure that people have food. You don't see your family during Christmas. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what the role entails. And if you, if you build up a team with people who just kind of want a job, or don't really value being part of the family or what the organization's about, then exactly as you're saying, you're just, the organization won't be as successful towards its you, goals. You know, there's something else that, um, I, that goes back to my original definition of success. Uh, we hire a lot of newcomers to our, to Canada, to country and newcomers, they may have been trained in engineering, medicine, technology, but they're, they're really fine people and they have, they represent our values and they, they're very professional, very serious. Uh, we will hire those people, even though we realize they may find uh, a job in their field at some future point. We, we accept those people uh, realizing they're not necessarily going to stay. 
but they're great people and we we give them a, a an introduction to our values a really positive uh you know uh i i guess uh start in the the workforce and uh, i think it's a good start for them a good met benchmark for them they really value it they they represent our school very well and it, it's a win-win situation so uh, that's something we actually are, are doing more of. We're, we're contacting a lot of these newcomer organizations to develop partnerships to help these people. Like right now, uh, you know, Ukrainians uh, are coming, not necessarily speaking French, but a lot of other countries we have done that. North Africans uh, speak French and uh, we've accepted a lot of them and given, given them a good start. We've also given them workshops, uh, you know, the center where they come from on how to prepare for the workforce in Canada. So we give like, that's sort of giving back mm -hmm. to the community. We give workshops, N not necessarily people that are gonna work for us, but how do you work in Canada as opposed to working in your own country? So we like to give back to the community that way. Beautiful, are these your uh, Le Fifiens, which you mentioned? Yes, <laughs> they, they call themselves Fifiens. <laughs> So that's just like fast word French people. That's what that means. That they're like they're not fast word French family. They call them FFIENS, FFIENS, and they and it's just something that they we haven't called them family. They call themselves family. You know, we, Jerry and I are at the beginning. We were kind of scared. They're calling like families have fights, but you know what? They've never had fights. They they just they've come up with that themselves, which is beautiful. You know, when they come up with that, mm -hmm. and they give themselves names. That's the definition of success, I think. Okay. And so it doesn't sound like you've had, like fast food French has had that many challenges because you haven't really seen most of the things that go wrong as challenges, right? It's it's almost as if everything's an opportunity. It's like, oh, we've got a long waiting list. Okay, we got to get more staff. We have staff who aren't living to the value. Okay, we've got to highlight our yeah. values once again. We, we've had some challenges. I MC mentioned... Uh, um, you know, backups. Backups was a lesson learned. Uh, uh, about this time last year, we had uh, one critical person that was leaving. Uh, she gave us three months notice and we hired two people to replace her. Unfortunately, those two people, we thought that they were trained, but they were not. And what happened was uh, they, they were disasters in the job. And uh, it set us back probably three months. I think it cost us about $50,000 in lost revenue just because we were delivering classes, but they weren't tracking the hours billed per student. So uh, uh, we learned some tough lessons there and we learned the, the, um, the benefits of backup. We weren't trying to, to save money uh, in, uh, in that case, we just didn't, uh, do a good job at having a, uh, the best backups. So yes. that was a tough lesson for us. There have been a lot of lessons, but mm -hmm. you're right. We try, we just move forward, but, and know we have the, we have faith that it's always going to be better around the corner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like how, how do you recover from it? Cause that, that probably would have gotten you rather frustrated oh, when, you, when you realized that, uh, because those people were disasters and we, we, they couldn't train the next generation of people. So it took us probably three to four months at least to get those people out, to hire new people. New people had nothing to start with and they had to kind of learn as they go. It was very, this was last summer, it was, was very tough for us. 
and we have a team of four people that are doing that that uh, department's work right now and they call themselves the dream team we didn't come up with that term mm -hmm. they call themselves we're the dream team you know and that's that makes us feel good they, they've just gelled together and they work really well together and one's a physiotherapist one's a therapist like they're high like they've got high-end jobs and they're mm -hmm. high they've got high-end education Skills. backing them up and they're helping us in an area that we really really we really truly appreciate them and they feel appreciated and they feel appreciated with each other it's really nice but that's probably one of our biggest setbacks you know there's always people that leave that you know uh it's a bit painful in the short term but our philosophy like i mentioned earlier has changed that well somebody's leaving let's look at the staff we have now and we try to promote from within so if somebody leaves we open up positions internally and provide support to those people to move into the the new responsibilities Hmm. And so as soon as as soon as something goes wrong, it's almost as if straight away, yes, sure, you got the ah kind of moment. <laughs> yeah, and yes, exactly. And then it's just quickly, how can we move on? Correct. Where can we go yes. forward? Yeah, okay. Which can always be even more in line with your values, right? Like treating your staff as family and yeah. giving them opportunities to grow and towards excellence. And, and you know, when people leave you you don't always see the warts when they're there, but you often see the warts when they're, when they leave and not necessarily on, you know, it's not necessarily their fault, but, uh, but we always learn something with the person that leaves and we pick the best of what they can contribute, try to carry that on and fill in the gaps of what they didn't have. So a lot of it is, um, is basically learning from departures and doing better next time around. And we have the positive mindset to attract mm -hmm. the right people. And we always do exit interviews for our students and our teachers so that we can really, um, we try to get an impartial person on our team to do that. Like not any departments that would have a lens for, you know, see the lens differently. We have an impartial type person who does the ex exit interviews. And what are some of the key insights you've gotten from those? Um, on the teacher side it's often as i mentioned earlier where somebody is uh, just give you a sense um the government in our town is the is a, the hugest or the largest employer and they're when they're recruiting they're recruiting everywhere including our staff because they're bilingual so that's usually the first uh reason that people leave they offer uh, higher salaries higher benefits pension plans and so on um, that's usually one reason. The second reason is usually they're getting a job in their field. It's, it's rare that they would leave because uh, something happened uh, in their work environment with us, which is, so that's really mm -hmm. things that are beyond our control. And we often hear, we're going to, I'm going to miss you guys. We hear that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Why, why is the, why is the government always working for the government more exciting? I wouldn't say exciting. It's not exciting, but it's, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of more benefits, things like pensions, uh, you know, different days off leaves, um, pay rates and so on. We, we generally can't compete with that. Um, but the, our work is more satisfying because people have more control over their lessons, more control over what they can do outside of their teaching. We give them opportunities. If they have a, a skill that can benefit us, then we encourage them to bring it up. We'll provide them with extra pay, 
time for training and to be able to share that with their colleagues or students. So we try to make the work environment as positive as possible. So that teacher, that, that person who works as a scheduler, she's a therapist, so she's our coach. She's, she, she's got her master's in mindfulness. So she teaches mindfulness oh, to our staff. So how lucky are we to have that, you know, mm -hmm. and are the, the head yeah. of um, the head of our schedules or the manager, she's also a mindfulness coach. So one does the students and the other one does the teachers and they're so happy because they can do what they're passionate about while mm -hmm. they're doing their job. So it's a really nice balance. Mm -hmm. We try to let people do what they're best, you... to do, best at. Do you do you have any ways of measuring the success of these kind of more fluffy benefits we, like mindfulness? We, we do a survey of our teachers periodically. We're doing one right now. Um, the last one we did was probably a year and a half ago. So we, we have some standard questions, basically like job satisfaction. Are you planning to stay with us? Those type of questions as benchmarks or proxies for for satisfaction and then we also take a lot of their suggestions to improve the environment uh, so that the next time around we can hopefully uh, increase that satisfaction and we always we always hear in the exit interview how they loved our zen training how they love um, our our mindfulness coaches we're always hearing from that from you know because we're different than other schools because we care about their the student and the teachers uh, journey with us like we care about how they're feeling while they're working we don't want them be, to be stressed we want them to be relaxed we do a lot of uh, ergonomic training we do some we have our, our physiotherapist who does stretching with our students so we try to it's not easy to be online all day and we recognize that so we try to really make sure that everybody's living a healthy life and not being too stressed and be happy while you're learning and teaching a second language. Hmm. And, and speaking of which, I remember when you, when you shared your definition of success, self-care is a big mm -hmm. part of that. Uh, how do you make sure you take care of yourself as well? Uh, well, what I do, <laughs> I'm kind of like anal about this. I was sharing this with one of my clients today at the back of my journal. I write, I have a list of all the stuff, self-care items that I believe I need to take care of myself. And I rate them on a scale of mm -hmm. zero to 10. And I score myself at the end of the day. And I write it in my journal SC self care, and I write my score. And when it's, it's above 100, I do like a little dance and I do little stars and stuff in my journal to sell like celebrate with myself that I've done all this and Jerry's a part of it too. Because if he gives me a massage, I get 10 points. And he gives me extra hugs, I get 10 points, and, or I get uh, four points. So I try to pass a hundred and he's involved. I said, you know, you're going to help me with my score. And so we, he, it's a real kind of a team effort. He really cares. I've, I've been sick. So he really cares about, about keeping me healthy. So he's a really good cheerleader. Um, Cause I want to keep doing the work that I do. I love coaching couples and I love helping out at fast forward French. It's my baby. And if I take care of myself, I know that I'll last a long time and I want to live a long time with this guy. We've got really great plans. Mm. And what are some of those plans? One of the plans is to work uh, from faraway places and we're doing that. We just got back from Costa Rica. I was there for a month and you were there for like mm. 20 days, I think. 
So we worked, we, we ran Fast Forward French and Relationship Bliss from Costa Rica. I'm going back next year for a month and a half, but we're going to Portugal. He's going to Mallorca. We're going to Tahiti, Barbora. We're trying to, that's another way that we, we can say that we're successful when we can, we have teams and leaders that are doing such a great job. We know that they're all, our people are all taken care of and people can always reach us from wherever we're working. And uh, that's a happy life. That's success, right? Yeah, I would say success is being able to, uh, another one business-wise, is to be able to leave on some of these trips and not being worried that things are going to get out of hand while you're gone. So that's kind of a benchmark for us. Are we relaxed? Do we feel confident that things will uh, work out? Uh, even though we are available, we do check in and, and do some work, but there's a lot of trust uh, in those people. Yeah, the whole goal is to, is to make sure that the company's running itself. And we, we really believe in our leadership, our people that are in leadership roles. Mm. We're lucky. Mm -hmm. So lucky. This is, this, this is really cool hearing you guys share this because so many, so many couples, when they get closer towards the age where most people want to retire and stop working, you guys are just getting more and more excited about making sure the business grows even more so mm -hmm. that you just don't have to be there all the time. 100%, yeah. Um, like what would you do if you didn't have the business? Oh my gosh. I always ask my husband that I have relationship bliss because I've been preparing for 10 years to retire and I, with relationship bliss, <laughs> I help coach, I help, I coach couples to, you know, you know, enjoy their communicate, like communicate better and to enjoy more, a better intimate life. Um, I have that plan, but uh, fast forward French keeps growing and Jerry's saying, I need you. So I'm, I can't retire and do that job fully yet. And I, my baby fast forward French is definitely my baby. And I really want to support like Jerry. He's, he takes, he's, he's the one that's pretty well running the school. He's the executive director. He takes a lot on. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I feel like I'm here to support you, right? I, I'm here to give you mm -hmm. what you need and, you know, help you in everywhere I can. If there's something missing in some area, I try to help out. So yeah, so that's, that's, I, I do want to retire, but it'll happen when, it, when we can. But and this, in the meantime, we're but traveling. Even your, <laughs> but even right, your, your version of retirement, what you just shared there is that you end up working at relationship bliss. Yes. And, and just doing what you love at relationship bliss, which is still another job, yeah. right? It's still another job sort of, and it, or another business. Yeah. And he helps me with that. Like, Yesterday, he stayed up till 9.30, helping me to organize my retreat in, in Costa Rica next year. Like he's helping me, he's doing all the math because he's a math person. So I feel, honestly, I feel really supported. I feel his support in my business also. We try to support each other. It's really nice. Um, I would which is Which is, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Just, I, I, would, I would say she's going to continue that and doing as much or as little as she wants for the foreseeable future. If she feels she gets, mm -hmm. if she feels she's making a difference in couples, um, she'll continue that doing retreats or doing coaching or, or other support. Um, so that's kind of, there's no age or retirement to that as, as far as I can see. Um, eventually, uh, I, I'll see our, our business sold. And um, I may be involved afterwards in some in some role, but eventually that will end. And uh, I I foresee either supporting her 
in her business in those retreats <laughs> or uh, I'm not the kind of person that's going to, you know, go play golf and things like that every day or even doing the sports that I do. Um, I, I think I'll be involved in some kind of, it could be a nonprofit or something like that. Um, I read a, a, a friend gave me a book called Retirementality and it was around keeping your mind active, having purpose in your life uh, when you you leave your kind of normal career and uh I, that's definitely for me it's not it wouldn't be full-time but, but it will be some kind of involvement uh, some of my friends are involved in nonprofits in different areas and i think it's a worthwhile uh, purpose uh, in retirement to help out some of these organizations well that that's the difference right you guys have your visions you have your missions you have your purpose and you keep going towards it it's i haven't heard anything from you guys really say yeah i just kind of want to slow down and step away it's like yeah maybe someday who will but well we'll like we will mc is going to pull most of her hours in another year uh i'll gradually reduce my hours but i'll be like i'll be traveling more having more fun but i'll still be involved in the business to keep myself sharp mentally and uh and with purpose mm -hmm. Yeah. And so well, let's just talk then, because obviously your, your relationship would be a big part of that mm -hmm. uh, mission and that value and your purpose as well. And we haven't spoken that much about how you guys keep your relationship so strong to withstand all these external forces, everything that happens from blended family to running a business together and MC, you're running your own business on the side and Jerry, you need to get away all the time for, for all these half triathlons <laughs> and Ironman and everything. And so how do you guys keep your relationship so strong? Uh, I think it boils down to like everybody would say out there communication. Um, we meet on Sundays um, to plan the week. Uh, that's really important. And we have our date nights on every Thursday. We have a massage morning, which is really nice. Like we have these really fun routines that we do and it makes us feel super connected um, intimacy wise and um, communication wise. Uh, we do follow uh, Gottman's uh, and we, another thing we do is we keep going on retreats. I think we've done about three retreats weekend retreats and we've done like audio retreats, Tantra retreats, passion retreats. Um, and then I have my own retreats that I offer couples, but we usually do a retreat first and I test it on us. So I test, I test everything pretty well. I've got a really good guinea pig here. The things that I want to test first before I, I have it, have other couples do it. Jerry's a really good sport. Um, he will, say yes to almost everything and we have fun i think it's really fun like bring the you know bringing in the fun into what we mm -hmm. do um is really great right now i'm i'm i just finished teaching a burlesque class uh it was a burlesque and a love your body and helping women with with sexuality helping them because there's often like libido issues in one of the one or the other person so this class i offered for women um and at the end, we all know how to do this burlesque dance, and Jerry's going to get a little show on Friday, a little burlesque show mm -hmm. that I've been working on for six weeks. So, you know, you keep things hot when you do things like that for your partner. And um, and uh, what else would you say, Jerry? We, we, um, we have on, fun. We, on, 
I would say there's two aspects. One is the kind of the serious side and one is the fun side. On the more serious side, uh, I think about three, four years ago, you know, little things were becoming big things, you know, yes. like you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And, and you kind of have like a, a negative mindset about uh, the other person and their motives and so on. Um, so we sat down for about uh, six months at least. We would sit down on Sunday nights and we would just like, this is really bugging me. You're not putting the dishes in the dishwasher or something like that, you know? Yeah. And then uh, would you mind just doing that for the next week? Um, would, could you please do that? And it would be like one thing like that. Uh, would you be willing to do this? And the other person would say, yes, I would, or no, I wouldn't, but I would do this. And you came to an agreement. Then we, the next Sunday, we would kind of look back. And, and it's, it's funny how little things like that can snowball into bigger things. When you, I find that when the person is making effort to do the little things, then you're making, not only doing what you, they've asked of you, but you're doing more. And it kind of grows within itself. And so you, everything the person does is, well, everything you're doing, you have a positive mindset and it really strengthens the relationship. It has like a positive overflow into everything you do. So that's kind of on the, maybe on the serious side. On the fun side, we do things like, we have like a, a jar of things we're gonna do to have fun together. We also created a, a bucket list of adventures so we would have a bucket list for the summer or the winter, and we would put like 15 things in there. Uh, things like uh, we're going to go for a bike ride, go, we might go bar hopping. On our bikes. Yeah, or, uh, you know, we did skydiving one year, and we did a number of things. We just, we just jointly uh, put things in that jar or whatever, that list. And then, uh, okay, what are we doing this Thursday or this weekend? And we check our list, and, hey, we had this on there. Let's do that. So it creates a sense of uh, anticipation and adventure and really a connection uh, for our couple. Okay. And yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I was, I was going to ask, like for a lot of people who are listening to that, they'll be saying, wow, that, that's amazing. I'd love that. That would be incredible. But that's not my relationship. That's not where I am now. And this is probably more of an MC question, I'm guessing. Yeah. Jerry, you'll have a hell of a lot to add to this. <laughs> I would and and say, what, what, can they, what can they do? What, where can they start? Yeah, I would say, ask for what you want. Ask for what you need. Mm. And say to, your, say to your partner how meaningful that would be to receive that from them. Uh, and that's what happened to Jerry. He said, I said, what's missing in your life? And he says, I need adventure. So that's why we started making lists. We did the bucket list of adventurous things. Ask your partner, are you happy right now? What would make you happier? And what can I do? And you, you might not be able to do everything, but yeah, what but, can you do? But so, some were very simple. Let's go for a picnic. You know, let's go to a certain restaurant. Uh, let's just, you know, get together and, and talk about our interests in each other. Like, like there's lists of questions you can ask each other. It doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. It could just ways to connect. Exactly. Mm. Like, don't just go to a restaurant and look at your phones. I see so many couples doing that right now. Don't just go to a restaurant, look at your phones, ask each other questions, try to get to know each other. You'd be so surprised how much you can learn from your partner. You think you know them, but ask them really great open-ended questions and you'll be so surprised what you can learn and the things that they might want to do might surprise you. 
And it kind of really sounds like it takes two to tango, right? Mm, for, for, for relationships? Or can it start with one and then the other person starts tangoing with them? And I have to say that if you, if you, if you see that your partner doesn't want to do all these things, you might be in a space that Gottman uh, describes as negative sentiment override. That's when everything you suggest or anything that you say, you're trying to make it sound positive, but they take it as being negative. And the, the way to get yourself out of that is to be in appreciation mode. So tell your partner that you appreciate them. Tell them, tell them I, I love the way you did that today. And all of a sudden, it's going to be, it's going to turn around. It's going to start to sound, everything's going to sound more positive from you. And they're going to switch. They're going to turn things around. Listen to what, notice what their love language is. Ask them what their love language is. Go to fivelovelanguages.com. And find out how to love them the way they need to be loved, not the way you need to be loved. For the longest time, I was trying to teach Jerry, I, I have affirmations as a love language. For the longest time, you know, he thought it was like at the beginning when we first met, he said, why does she need affirmation so much? Like, is she insecure? No, frick, I'm not insecure. I'm pretty confident. But it's just the way I need to be loved. And now I get notes every morning. And he says, I love you all the time. And, you know, it just you just need to teach Never give up. Keep teaching the person. Keep asking them what you what you need, and you're going to get happier and happier. Mm. And so I hear you say negative, never give up. And obviously, you've learned that uh, more recently. Uh, but you both had previous marriages before you before you came together, right? Mm -hmm. Is is there a time for relationships to give up? I would say mm -hmm. if I could, could you are you okay if yeah, I answer this? Um, I would say when your partner doesn't want to grow with you, when they say that, I don't want to do that course with you. I don't want to get counseling. I don't want to get coaching. I don't want to learn. I don't want to read a book. I don't want to listen to this TED talk about relationships. If they're at a place where they just don't want to do anything with you to grow, I think that's at a place that's it gets to be really hard for you because it feels like you might be growing and your partner might not be growing. Um, but if you can try to get them to coaching or to therapy, I think that would be a brilliant way to try to get out of that negative space. It's like a, mm. it's like a negative downward spiral, it seems, when mm. the partner is not willing to do that. Hmm. I, I would say, uh, well, this Gottman test is quite extensive. I think there's what? 480 um, questions. <laughs> so you can really find out you know, some of the core values. And uh, I, I think ultimately there are, there are core values that you have to be in alignment on. Like it could be family values. It could be, um, you know, could be financial children. There's, there's typical things that, that need to be in place for couples to thrive. And if you don't have those essentials in place, then it's core values are not something that that change per person. So it's really important that you know, and you're aligned on those. That's my for simplistic sure. version. <laughs> for sure. And, and also know that there are perpetual issues in couples. Mm -hmm. That means the issues are coming up again and again and again, and they might never be solved, but it's how you deal with it. Are you treating your partner with respect and empathy while you're dealing with those, with these issues? Are you using humor? Are you having, are you still enjoying while you're trying to grow? Because sometimes you just don't, you can get ahead, but you're getting ahead just a little, like you're inching ahead instead of like what one person might want to do leaps. Sometimes you just have to do baby steps. And it it really just matters so much that you 
treat each other with respect while you're while you're dealing with your perpetual issues. Yeah, I I hear everything that you're sharing. I love I love hearing it as well. Um, I'm I'm curious then. Uh, what are some of the what are some of the relationship elements that you have that you really hope that your children will embody in their lives as well? Mm. Hmm. Oh, that's such a good question. Well, I, I would start off by saying one of the key reasons that we separated from our former spouses is because they weren't healthy relationships and we wanted to model great relationships, uh, a great relationship for our children. So the, the things that we, we demonstrated, you know, spending time together, you know, and, and as well as with the family, we, we tried to demonstrate a lot of the things that we would hope that they would continue. And, and I would say they've done that. Yeah, I, I would say so. Like, I, and you know this, Harry, about me, because Harry and I are friends. Um, I really believe that as parents, you need to model how, where do you learn how to be great, how to be great in relationships? You only learn that from your parents. It's who else did them teach you that in school? You don't learn that. No. It's really important for your children to see that. Yeah, you might be arguing, but the kids need to see you make up. They need to see you do the repair. Sometimes parents will do the repair after the kids are in bed. Give them the opportunity to see you repair. Give them the opportunity to see that, yeah, we're not going to talk about this right now. We're going to, we're not, we're not like we're flooded with this right now. We can't make sense right now. So mommy and dad are going to take a 20 minute break and we're going to get back and we're going to talk about it again. And you're going to see that mommy and daddy are going to talk to each other with respect and with love. They need to see that. They need to see that. Yeah. People are you. Yeah. People don't get along, but they can repair. They can come back and they can figure it out and they can work it out and move forward. So I think it's important for parents to really model that for their children. And another thing I want to say is they need to model that parents are passionate about each other. They need to see that like that we're, we're touching each other and that we're caring about each other. Because I, when I see couples, when one of them is having trouble with intimacy, it's when they didn't see their parents doing this. They, can't, they didn't see that their parents were in love with each other. They were living like roommates. So when they grow up and they meet their partners, they're living like roommates and their partner's saying, I want to live like this. Where's the passion? Where's the connection? You learn that from your parents. So I want my kids to model what we do. And that's to live with, you know, teach them how to communicate openly, lovingly. Yeah, we'll make, we will mess up, but we'll, we'll make up and teach the kids also that we have passion, we're sex positive parents. You know, if your kids come and ask you a question about sexuality, you're going to, you're going to answer it. You're not going to give a long answer, but you'll give a really good answer. That's thought of, think of your answers in advance and make it short and make it that it's a normal part of conversation that you're talking to your children about this and it's okay, you know? So yeah, so really open communication. You know, that being said, his son is engaged and he's getting married supposedly in the fall. They came to my, his, his son and fiance came to my retreat in Costa Rica. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I, I, I was so touched that they said, they asked me, can we come on your retreat? It's like a marriage preparation for us. And I thought, 
oh, oh my gosh, I set boundaries, I set rules. You know, I said, okay, you guys, I don't want to hear what your answer is. Go in the other room and discuss this. But it was a real compliment to us that our son uh, did this retreat with both of us there mm -hmm. with his, uh, with his fiance. It was really, it was a beautiful thing. And it was an, and we, when you do everything with compassion and love, it always works out for sure. Mm. I, I love that. And just as you were sharing it, especially the part about uh, how you'll always make up, you'll always make sure you do the repair. And yes, you're talking yeah. about making sure you do it in front of kids, but you're talking about just doing it full stop. Uh, reminds me of a conversation or one of the episodes which I had with a guy who was a monk for 10 years. Mm. Um, he's an ex-monk. His name is Jai Kith. He's amazing. Uh, but he's now back in the real world for two years and is ended up married and with a house and with a dog and his, old, and his own business and is kind of just moving forward. It's all just happening for him. But one of the things he said about relationships is that he just simply they simply handle it by having a commitment to each other that they'll never go to bed without loving in their hearts for each other. Yes. That's simple. That is so, and you know what? You can go to bed without communicating whether whatever just happened because sometimes you're tired and sometimes you're stressed, right? And you, mm -hmm. everything you're going to say is going to come out negatively, right? So you could say, you know what, sweetheart, you know how they always say, don't go to bed if you've, if you've got something that's bothering you. Oh, sometimes stay, you stay up and fight or something. Stay up and fight. Never, it doesn't always work. <laughs> it doesn't always work. So, but, but you do need to touch base and say to your partner, let me give you a hug. Cause you got to soothe the other person. The other person that's hurt mm. needs to be soothed. And if it, their language is physical touch, soothe them with a hug and say, you know, sweetheart, you know, I'm, we're going to, we're going to talk, talk about, about this in the morning when we're both fresh and we're both thinking straight. And I want you to sleep really well tonight. So don't let this bother you for tonight because too often one person will stay up all night. It's bothering them all night long. The other person's like, <laughs> doesn't bother me. And the other person's like, how come they're sleeping? And they're so, you know, you're so mad at them because there's, how can they be sleeping? <laughs> but if the other person cares for them to say that it's going to go over so much better. You're going to sleep well. It's, it comes down to really caring about your partner and, really being compassionate towards them in mm. every situation possible. You're, you're talking about soothing your partner. Yeah. Uh, and then you were talking about the five love languages before. I'm guessing you soothe them the way they want to be soothed, right? Correct. <laughs> exactly. <That's true. laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I'm curious as well, uh, maybe more of a summary question, but what advice do you wish you could leave to your younger selves? I wish I had trusted myself more to take more chances uh, when I was younger. Uh, I kind of flowed career-wise, and I think I could have driven my own. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't regret anything, but I think I, I could have accomplished more, and uh, more success in the way I define it now at an earlier age. Just by just by taking more chances, yeah. Just by having more confidence in myself and my own abilities, it's. And you know, one thing I learned by working at Fast Forward French is uh, 
is that leadership is a choice. It's not, you're not born to it. It's not something that comes naturally. You have to work mm -hmm. at it and you have to choose to do it. You have to choose to learn and you have to choose to, to try and you'll make mistakes, but you'll learn. And it's, it's a path of growth that can be very satisfying, but it is a choice because at the beginning, I was leaving a lot of the leadership to other people in, in, in our company. And that didn't serve the company very well at the beginning, even though we did well, if I had chosen leadership earlier, uh, then I think we would have, uh, I think I would have been happier earlier and so the company would have succeeded better. MC. I would say, um, about. 18 years ago, I did some mindfulness training. I did the, you know, the John Kabat-Zinn training and I did the advanced course, the graduate course also. Um, I think learning mindfulness at a younger age would have served me really well um, because I went through a lot of stresses. Like my, my father was bipolar. So if I would have learned some of those strategies, I think they should teach children mindfulness in school. I know my girlfriend does. Um, so I think they should definitely start teaching that in schools because you can go through life so much better by living in the present moment and not being in judgment and that space, that negative space, this space of thinking negative thoughts all the time. I think yeah. that really changed my life. And I'd like, I'd like that for the world. I'd like that for everybody, mm -hmm. including the younger me. And, and you, you, uh, you got our daughter into that as well. Yes, my daughter. I difference. said to my daughter, this is the best course I've ever taken. And I paid for her course. And she said, Mom, this is the best course I've ever taken. <laughs> so people out there, take your mindfulness stress reduction courses. They're really amazing. And there's even free sessions online now, I found. So, yeah, mm. I would definitely, I would hope that people can, can do that so that they can live their best lives in this present moment. Mm. And I've, I mean, I've, I've loved this conversation and what I might, what I might do as we wrap up is uh, just give a little bit of um, uh, a little bit of a summary from some of the key things which I've heard you guys share. And then you guys can let me know what I've maybe heard wrong, what I could correct and maybe what I've, what I've missed as well. Um, and then you can really highlight what's most, what you'd most love for anyone who's hearing this, whether they're a couple from a blended family or if they're, a couple getting towards retirement or they just want to find a spark again or if they're just someone who's trying to run an amazing business whatever it is um, and be successful in life how you've actually been able to find success and so we started out with your definitions of success and mc yours is mostly about just having fun and being in the present and making sure that you have a really high level of self-care and you shared this uh, what you have at the back of your journal to give yourself the score and you want to get yourself to a hundred and sometimes you need Jerry's help for it. And sometimes <laughs> you can just do it on your own, but when you get to a hundred, you can just celebrate and you have a lot of fun. <laughs> <We're forced>. <laughs> <laughs> at one point. And for, for Jerry, it was more, it, it's your definition of success has changed quite considerably. And it's less about what you've been able to achieve and do for yourself, but more about the success of people who are around you, uh, for your family, for your children, grandchildren, for MC, making sure that uh, she can live her dreams and make her dreams come true. 
for all of your 120 employees and to be able to make sure that can continue and your 400 students. And you guys described your, uh, your business of Fast Forward French as a big family that just doesn't fight. <laughs> and so you, <laughs> uh, I asked you quite a few questions about how you guys manage the business together in your relationship. Uh, and ultimately, it's, it's because of the way that it started uh, paved the way for how it's showing up now. And it was simply just one of you believed in the other. Jerry, you said, MC, you got to stop it, it, or darling, wife, whatever. Uh, you got to stop uh, just doing all of this teaching. It's stressful. It's, mm -hmm. You hate it. You're, you're not, your self-care isn't high. Uh, you got to do things that make you happy. Stop burning out, please. Mm -hmm. And started, you see, so just started your tutoring business and then you managed the contract with the government and then eventually kept growing and Jerry quit his his job in corporate and joined in and you guys have been having 35% growth each year for the last four years, despite COVID, right? Or down 20% one year and then up 60% the next. And I think a core part of what you guys shared there is that you've just got a rule which says we've got boundaries as to when we talk about work or business and when we're just us at home and you really kind of need that break, which I think a lot of people forget about. Um, and you've, you've even got this phrase, which you can use where you just don't want to talk about it anymore. You say, let's meet at 9am and every 9am you've got just that time in your calendars blocked out from nine to nine thirty, and it might be 10 minutes or it might be 30 minutes, but, and you also have your hot tub meetings to just share your frustrations and everything. <laughs> And it just remind it keeps reminding you guys about your complementary skills and strengths. Mm -hmm. And you've learned all of these amazing journeys throughout the throughout the years, especially in terms of how to make sure that your your team and your students follow your core values of excellence, respect, empathy, trust, and integrity. I think integrity was the last one. Yeah. yeah. And ultimately you're not all the same. You don't you don't just hire people who are the same as you, you'll hire people who are different and you'll try and lead from within. And I think you had the definition of MC being CEO as chief entertainment officer, right? Because you're the cheerleader while Jerry's just challenging people to keep growing. And all the systems and the process and you get coaching around your business as being part of a group as well. And it's just, you just keep growing and you keep improving. And anytime that there's a challenge, you recognize it'll always be painful in the short term, but you'll just look at where the opportunities are and enjoy growing. And that's why all of your staff see themselves as family. And so then when I asked you a whole bunch of questions about your marriage and how you keep your marriage so strong, well, uh, MC just basically gave all the credit to Jerry for saying he's actually going to sit down and learn. And <laughs> You got to be trainable, trainable. Right. <laughs> got to be a good puppy. Uh, no, but like really just about trying new things and being open to it. And ultimately that comes from the combination of love for, me, love for each other and also a growth mindset to learn, mm -hmm. to learn everything in Gottman's, to learn how to communicate, to commit to having uh, your Sunday meetings and your date night Thursdays on Thursdays and having massages at times when you decide and to have more fun and adventure and just to have more appreciation for each other. And so Jerry, you said it really well when you're like, yeah, there's a serious side, like, what do you need to do? How do we stop the small things becoming the big things? 
And then the fun side, how do we have anticipation for what's going to be really exciting? How can we, do, do you guys literally have a bucket, like a jar with a bucket list? Or do you just have a list which you go through? And I have it on something? my phone, but uh, we've used jars in the past as well. And it's just a surprise. It's like, what are we doing Thursday yeah. night? Ah, oh, skydiving. This will be fun. Do <laughs> it. That's really cool. And MC, you meant you mentioned a whole bunch of um, relationship coaching tips, which uh, you mentioned negative sentiment override and moving that towards appreciation and making sure you show appreciation for each other and it becomes natural. You spoke about the five love languages and caring for each other the way that you want to be. Uh, the way that they actually want to be cared for as opposed to the way that you'd hope that they care for you. Uh, Jerry, I think you mentioned about the alignment on core values and then uh, just making sure that you guys have respect and empathy and that on in most relationships, especially in yours, the, the growth doesn't always have to be these huge leaps because you kind of got to tailor to the, to the smaller step that each of you are willing to take. And so whoever's wanting to take a small step, okay, great, take that small step because the big one yeah. might stop any steps forward at all, right? And the whole blended family thing, I, I, I find it amazing because you guys have, it's, all, it, it's either you've like glossed over it, it's all nice and easy and sunshine and rainbows, or you've really just kind of reframed the narrative of all the challenges which you've had to be able to see them as beautiful opportunities. Like just, just the fact that you only ended up becoming a proper blended family uh, because your kids were similar age, and then there was a massive ice storm, and then you, Jerry, just kind of had to move in, right? Could I, could I mention one uh, aspect there? Um, it's not all yeah. rainbows with our children. No, <laughs> we 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 travel a fair amount, and uh, kids are known to have parties when we've been gone. And uh, there's a story where we uh, we had a taxi ride once and the guy said oh so this is the house oh i remember the big parties that were here and this, this place was crazy wild and wow really <laughs> but, my but, house? but the good news is the kids were able to clean them after, after themselves so. it looked cleaner we should have known better it was so clean <laughs> Perfect. It, it's almost <laughs> as if you taught them the superpowers to just evade, <laughs> to evade your parenting skills. Right. Damn, your parenting was too good. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, you did share though, that it was much easier than what it would have otherwise been because the kids respected each other and they respected boundaries. And then they also respected the ground rules and the consistency that you guys put forward. And you guys respected each other's ground rules and rules and consistency that you guys put down. You made, you made sure that you taught them how to cook and to make sure that they had their different freedoms at their different ages, but they all earned their rights, right? Like they, they earned their privileges and they earned the ability to yes. do it. And you had your family meetings every Monday. And it wasn't just for like the work and what needs to be done. Uh, but what fun are you going to have that week as well? The, the principles mm -hmm. which you've applied to your marriage and you apply it uh, to your couple uh, really religiously now, uh, you actually had for your family back then as well. And you ultimately just wanted to set them up for success. And your your futures, I mean, you're, you don't care too much for retirement. You just care about doing things that you're really, you're really joyful for. And... When I asked you guys what you wish you what advice you wish you could give to your younger selves, I think it was the the best summary of the whole conversation 
you just got to trust yourself to take more chances, have more confidence in yourself and your own abilities and growth or growth mindset's a choice. Leadership's a choice. Every action that you take is always going to be a choice. And MC, you just said, I wish that I could have learned mindfulness and just how to overcome stress a whole lot better from a much younger age. And that comes right back to self-care. Jerry, you're talking about being able to lead and have impact on others. Back to your definition of success. And MC, you're talking about self-care to be able to be more bubbly and more fun and for other people all the time. And once again, right back to your, uh, uh, to your definition of success. Uh, so is there anything which you guys would like to add to that or correct in that summary? I don't want to correct anything. You really did a good yeah. job. Holy smokes. Yeah. I didn't remember all that. <laughs> um, it was really good. I just want to send a message out there that people don't have to leave, live boring lives. Like they're feeling mm -hmm. like the roommates, like really make life purposeful and find ways to connect. If you can't find ways, get help, get some support for that. Cause sometimes you can't figure it out on our own. Um, yes. so yeah, just like live life fully and turn towards each other and mm -hmm. see how you can be each other's champions, um, and be there for one another and make sure you have a bucket list and fun things to do. And yeah, be great models for your children. Like you said, no, I just want to say one thing. Um, and it's more to do with the timing of where we're at as far as, you know, sort of coming out of the pandemic, uh, at this time, I, I think it's an opportunity to redefine not just your relationship, but your your social networks, your connections with your family. And it's uh, it's unprecedented, but we, we've learned um, which people that we want to spend more time with and which people we don't. And it, it's it's an opportunity. And I, I just would recommend that people don't sit back, but they, they make some conscious decisions about the people that bring them energy and joy and work on uh, nurturing those relationships. Well said, Jerry. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love <laughs> Thank you so much. You guys have shared uh, so much wisdom and knowledge. And I love the fact that we did this as a couple interview as well, because it just wouldn't have been the same if it was just you guys individually. And so thank you for, for sharing all those pearls of wisdom and i'm sure it will be a positive impact for whoever listens to this we'll find a lot of value from just hearing your life stories and lessons thank you such a pleasure fun. harry it's, it's so fun. fun you're so easy to talk to <laughs> i hope you enjoyed this episode of success with purpose and i also hope that you feel capable to apply some of the perspectives and learnings from this episode in your own life if you enjoyed this conversation be sure to like and subscribe below and until next time live with purpose.